Hey all, this is Cassie, the host of Everybody. And ever since I can remember, I've been obsessed with how the human body works and how no matter what stage in life you're at, you can make amazing changes. Together, we're going to deep dive into topics like disease, nutrition, mental health, and more, all with a focus on how we can take steps toward living healthier, happier lives. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in again. Um, Today we are going to be talking all about periods, hormones, and just continuing our women's health talk. And what drove me to want to talk about this today was a few things. But um, one, I listened to a podcast um, called Empower Her by Keisha Fitzgerald. You may have heard of this podcast before, but she had a fabulous guest on I don't know, probably two, three months ago that really got into why women really need to have their period and how if you're on birth control, you're not actually having your period. And I think that it's something that a lot of women don't really know or understand. Most women think they get their period when they're on birth control. Um, And the truth is you don't. And I feel like there are so many of us out there that Uh, don't even know the basics about our body, how it works, what hormones we actually have in our body during different phases of our cycle, things like that. So I thought we would cover it today. So a woman's period is really now being considered the fifth vital sign medically. So when you go into the doctor or the emergency room or wherever, and they take your temperature, your pulse, your respiration rate, your blood pressure, those were the four vital signs. Um, Now your period or the first day of your last period is considered your fifth vital sign because there's so much more to having your period um, than we really know, I think a lot of us know about, and it is very important uh, to our health overall. So, A couple of things before we get started. Just want to cover a couple basics. Number one, your menstrual cycle is longer than the five to seven days of active bleeding. So we're going to talk about how long your menstrual cycle is and what phases there are. Period pain is not necessarily normal. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how we can affect that. Number three, birth control does not balance your hormones. It pretty much shuts them off. So I want you guys to, at least by the time we're done with this episode, understand how birth control works and what it actually does to your hormones. And number four, lifestyle choices and changes, including what you eat and exercise and stress levels, actually can truly affect your period, your PMS, how heavy your flow is, all of those things. So we can really do a lot uh, to help our bodies out a little bit more. And I think at least, you know, when I was growing up and I'm only 33, I'm almost 34, but um, at 33 years old, I know health class really didn't teach us much about this stuff. It was really the basics. It was like, you know, just real bare bones. And we used to think at least when I was younger, going on birth control regulated my hormones and I still got a period and, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, as I've gotten older, started to learn more, it's, it's really amazing how much women are not taught about their bodies. So let's get into it a little bit. 
So your menstrual cycle is on average 28 to 34 days. So it's that 28 day cycle you hear a lot about. For many women, this varies a couple days at a time, um, but it's not normal to have an abnormal number of days off. So if you're like a 30 day cycle person, you should almost always be a 30 day cycle person. It wouldn't be normal for someone to be 28 days one month, 34 the next, 30 the next. Usually if someone is, has normal hormone balance, they are going to be the same number of days every single month. So that's just something to be aware of. You have two real phases of the menstrual cycle, three if you include ovulation. Some people include that or don't, kind of depends on which where you look and, and where you read. But your first phase is the follicular phase. Um, this is the first week of menstruation, so the first week you start bleeding and about one week, or, week after that. Um, your progesterone and estrogen levels start low and they spike just before ovulation. So ovulation happens um, between days 12 and 16 of your phase. So day one of your cycle is the first day that you're actively bleeding. 12 to 16 days later is when you're ovulating and your progesterone and estrogen really spike at that time. Your estrogen spikes much higher than your progesterone. So estrogen is the female sex hormone that grows and matures your uterine lining. So the uterus is where when where when you are pregnant, um, your baby develops. And uh, that lining of the uterus is very important to support human life. So estrogen levels, high estrogen levels, help grow and mature your uterine lining. And they also help mature the egg that will be released before ovulation, produced by the ovaries, adrenal glands, and in your fatty tissue. So estrogen is actually produced in three different places, and fat tissue is one of them. Hence why women's bodies are made to carry a higher fat percentage than men's. That's very important. Um, and you can see how if your body doesn't have enough fat on it, and we hear about this sometimes in very young girls who are very athletic, if you don't have enough fat on your body, you're not producing enough estrogen, Therefore, that could affect your menstrual cycle. But in this follicular phase, um, once those estrogen levels spike and the progesterone spikes, um, that actually prepares your uterus for pregnancy. So progesterone is a female sex hormone, um, also known as that relaxing hormone that you hear about sometimes. Um, it more dominates after ovulation than before. So we'll talk a little bit more about what it does after ovulation. But ovulation happens about day 12 to 16 of your cycle. And during that time, you actually get a testosterone spike, which is really interesting. It makes total sense after I explain this to you. So yes, testosterone is a male hormone, but it's also a female hormone. Okay, females have testosterone. It is produced by our ovaries and our adrenal glands. The adrenal glands sit on top of the kidneys. So women produce testosterone in a surge right around ovulation. And there's a slight rise before your period as well. But what testosterone does for the female body is it helps us maintain muscle mass and bone strength, which is very important. But testosterone enhances our sex drive 
and helps us with an overall sense of well-being and kind of like vitality, spice of life. So when you get a testosterone spike, you're feeling real good. And you may notice if you are someone who naturally has a cycle, now if you're on birth control, you're not ovulating. And so you're not necessarily going to get this testosterone spike. But this testosterone spike, um, if you are, you know, naturally tracking your periods, um, and not affecting them in any way hormonally with some form of birth control, you probably notice this, that around the time that you're ovulating, you're feeling real good about yourself. You have lots of energy, you feel attractive, you feel alive. That's testosterone. That's what it's doing for you right there. So it makes total sense, makes total sense that we get this testosterone spike right at and during ovulation because it makes us feel real good about ourselves and it makes us want to have sex, which naturally is going to help us to get pregnant if that's something that you are trying to do. If you are not trying to get pregnant and you're naturally tracking your cycle, then obviously that's something to be aware of as well. But after ovulation, we go into the luteal phase. And this is the time between ovulation and right before the start of menstruation or the start of phase one again, so that follicular phase. Here, both progesterone and estrogen rise again, but progesterone rises more. So progesterone, what it does for us is it controls the buildup of the uterine lining. So it kind of puts estrogen in check, like, okay, let's see how much lining we have here. We don't need too much. Um, and it matures and maintains that uterine lining in case of pregnancy. So we go through, we have an estrogen spike, which helps mature our uterine lining. It helps uh, mature the egg. Then we have a testosterone spike that is going to make us feel real good, energetic, and enhance our sex drive. And then we have a progesterone spike. And that makes sure that our uterine lining is ready for um, that egg if it happens to become fertilized. So if there is no fertilization and no pregnancy, then our progesterone levels fall and that is what starts our shed of our uterine lining, which is also known as your period or menstruation. So our hormones control everything about our menstrual cycle, um, which is important to know um, important to know because if we are altering our hormones, say with birth control, then that alters our whole cycle. And that's really the idea behind um, birth control. But let's talk about a couple other hormones. We have follicle stimulating hormone, FSH. And this is released from the pituitary gland in the brain. And it stimulates uh, the ovarian follicles that contain the egg to mature. So the FSH is definitely connected with our estrogen levels as well. And then we have luteinizing hormone, and this is also released by the pituitary gland in the brain, and this causes actually the release of an egg. Now, one other thing I didn't touch on yet, but this is very important, is estrogen itself actually causes or helps us absorb calcium. And so if we start playing with our estrogen levels, especially at a young age, like before our 20s, um, we are really affecting our overall bone strength and health and integrity, uh, especially before we reach that peak bone mass, which happens for women in their 20s. 
Now, if we are beyond our 20s and we're still messing with our estrogen levels a little bit, this really can significantly affect our bone health overall. And actually, a lot of studies are being done right now wondering if estrogen levels and playing with our estrogen levels through birth control is actually a factor in um, osteoporosis as we age. So this this type of stuff is really, really interesting. Um, and it's also interesting and important for you to know, especially, um, you know, as whether you have teenage girls or you are a young adult or someone who is currently using birth control, um, just good for you to know really what happens to your body when you're using birth control before you make that choice. So I'm absolutely not saying don't use birth control if that's the choice that you make, but it is really good to know what it actually is and does to your body and know that if you are someone who goes to the doctor, say, for irregular periods and the doctor says, oh, well, let's just put you on birth control to regulate your periods, just know that birth control doesn't actually give you a period. It stops your periods completely. So it's something that we'll talk about a little bit more. But let's talk about naturally controlling your period for a little bit. So there are ways that you can help have a better period. So the one way that you can help yourself have a better period is by eliminating stress. And oh my gosh, how many times do we talk about eliminating stress for your health? But we've talked about this before. Stress causes inflammation, right? When you're stressed, you cause inflammation in your body. And inflammation in your body means that you will also have inflammation in your uterus, which can cause more cramps and more discomfort during your period. So how can we control stress levels? Getting enough sleep, meditation, journaling, exercising, healthy relationships, um, positive mindset. We've talked about all of these things. So your stress levels can really, really make a difference in how your period affects your body. Number two is your diet and eating well. And I know again, an aha moment, yes, we talk about this all the time, but for women, magnesium is essential for our bodies and for our periods. So for hormone health, your nervous system, your blood sugar regulation, and promoting sleep, magnesium is super important. And it's something that you're going to get out of those nutrient-dense foods, right? We've talked about having nutrient-dense foods in our diet. What you're looking for is like the veggies, the omega-3 fatty acids, all of those things that are going to help you. So actually what you eat has a factor in your flow. So if you are eating more processed foods, poor nutrient foods, you are going to have a heavier period. It's so interesting and especially when you start looking at women who are working on getting in control of their period or women who have you know horribly heavy periods things like that most of the time the doctor is going to start with your diet and saying let's adjust what you're eating and start decreasing inflammation in your body now anything that causes inflammation is going to cause total body inflammation right so it's not like i eat something and i just get inflammation in just my gut or just a certain area, it's like your whole body is going to react. So if you eat something that causes inflammation in your body, uh, your uterus will be inflamed as well as the rest of your body. 
So um, a medical news today 2013 study showed that women who ate more veggies and omega-3 fatty acids were more protected from endometriosis. And the opposite happened to women who ate red meat, trans fats, and drank coffee, which is very interesting. And I know I've touched on the coffee thing a little bit before as well um, when it comes to bladder health. But um, yeah, just a really interesting study. Now, another thing, so you can control your stress levels, you can control your diet, and then we got to talk exercise. Now, these are three things we talk about for just about anything, but um, different types of exercise during different types or different parts of your phase or menstrual cycle are recommended and important. And understanding that during that menstrual cycle, it's important to be still be getting exercise. And during that cycle, you should really take yourself toward more exercise like walking and doing yoga versus like the high intensity interval training or super hard runs or things like that. But definitely regular activity, regular activity overall is going to cause you to have better periods overall. So if you're someone that is looking to help regulate your period, reduce your cramps, reduce your PMS, improve all of that stuff, then you should start working on your diet, your regular exercise, and your stress levels and understanding how you can control those things and actually control your period. So let's talk a little bit about birth control now. And I'm going to touch on these just kind of lightly right now. I'm hoping to have actually a naturopath come on and interview with me this week and release that next week. And we'll talk a little bit deeper about this. But we're going to talk about the two main forms of birth control. So one is the pill. It's been around forever. The other is an IUD. So birth control pill is a 28-day pill regimen. 21 days of the 28 contain hormones, actually progesterone and estrogen. And the rate at which these hormones get delivered to your body through the pill actually kind of abolishes your normal hormone cycling. So basically what this pill does is it causes you not to ovulate. So there's no ovulation, no release of an egg. If you don't release an egg, then you cannot get pregnant. And that is how it works. Now, there are seven days of a placebo pill. And when birth control first, when the birth control pill first came out, there was no placebo pill. It was just these hormone pills. And women started getting a little freaked out because they weren't getting their period. And so these seven day placebo pills got added to cause something called breakthrough bleeding. But what's interesting about this breakthrough bleeding is most women think they're getting their period. You are not getting your period when you are on the birth control pill because you have not ovulated. So that bleeding that you get over those seven days or a few days out of the seven day placebo pill just happens because your hormone levels change right? So you were feeding yourself progesterone and estrogen. You're not anymore. Your hormone levels change and you have something called breakthrough bleeding, but it is not your period. So when the doctor says, let's put you on birth control to regulate your period, understand that if you are taking a birth control pill, you are not getting your period. You are getting what's called breakthrough bleeding, 
you have not ovulated, you have not grown that uterine lining, you are not shedding your uterine lining because you have not had the proper hormone release to do so. And I think that's very important for women to know. So let's think about this. Having your period um, and your natural estrogen levels are very important for bone development. Now you're a young girl, say you're 16, 15, 14, however old, and you start taking a birth control pill. You are directly affecting your bone mass. You are changing the hormones, the natural hormone cycle in your body, which changes a lot of other things too, but bone health specifically is going to be affected because you cannot absorb the amount of calcium that you normally would be able to with your normal cycle. So as a parent, also having a young girl um, understand this, that you know there are risks and benefits to the birth control pill. Now, obviously a benefit is not getting pregnant. And for many young girls and young women, that trumps everything else. And that's okay, right? But we just need to understand that when we're taking the birth control pill, we are not regularly um, releasing our own hormones. And so this can affect our cycle later on as well. Because if we've never really allowed our cycle to fully develop as a young woman, and then we get older and decide we want to have a baby and get off of our birth control, it will take a while, and or for most women, it takes a while for your cycle to actually come back. Um, and for some women, this can be a cause of stress and sometimes some infertility or years of trying to get pregnant because you've never actually had your cycle going since you were a young woman that started her period. Um, and you your body just is hasn't been doing it for so long. So just something to understand. Now let's talk about the IUD. So there's two different kinds of IUD. There's a copper IUD, and this IUD can last up to 12 years. Now the copper IUD is non-hormonal. So there's no hormones being released with this type of IUD. So it is not necessarily affecting um, directly your hormones in your body. What the copper IUD does is actually sperm do not like copper. So the copper IUD sits high up um, and when the sperm come into contact or come close to that copper, they decide I don't like that and they swim away. And that's how you prevent pregnancy. Now, other IUDs have progesterone, which is kind of like a fake progesterone um, type of hormone. And we won't call it a hormone, but it's fake progesterone. So it's progesterone. And what this does is it causes your the mucus on your cervix to really thicken up and it actually blocks the sperm from coming in. And that progesterone actually also prevents ovulation. So you're preventing pregnancy two ways. Number one, you're not ovulating. Okay, so understand that. I'm not ovulating. That's why most people will not get their period at all when they have that IUD or they may get some breakthrough bleeding. But again, that breakthrough bleeding is just like on the birth control pill. It's not your period because you are not ovulating. You are not building up um, any thickness in your uterus to support a pregnancy. Um, and then the thick, thick mucus on your cervix prevents that sperm from even getting into the cervix most of the time, right? It's like this 99% of the time. 
Yes, you hear about people getting pregnant on the birth control pill. Yes, you hear about people getting pregnant while they have an IUD, but it is very, very rare. But just understanding that using these forms of birth control directly affects the way your body naturally was made to work. And so this also can cause some other negative effects in the body as well. Um, one of those being depression. So there has been a lot of studies going on recently looking at depression rates and the use of hormonal birth control. So think your hormones, you know, I talked about the different hormones and where they come from, your pituitary gland in your brain, your adrenal glands by your kidneys. Um, they are released by your ovaries. So you have all different areas in your body that release these hormones. And sometimes one hormone is released from multiple places like estrogen. Now, if we start playing with those hormones or affecting those hormones, changing them, not releasing them, those hormones also affect other things in your body as well. So I want to talk a little bit about depression and hormonal birth control. So I'm going to read to you right from the Harvard Health Medical School, um, an article that was published online, and it's called Can Hormonal Birth Control Trigger Depression? And it's not necessarily something that has been studied enough to say for sure yes or for sure no. But there have been decades of reports of mood changes associated with the hormone medications, and those have caused multiple research studies to happen and continue happening. So many of the studies did not show a definitive association, but a critical review of this literature revealed that all of it had been kind of poor quality, reporting on kind of iffy methods like self-reporting recall, insufficient numbers of subjects, you know, things like that. So really it was possible to draw any, was impossible to draw any firm conclusion with some of these studies that have been done. But there was a study that was done um, on over 1 million Danish women over the age of 14 using hard data like diagnosis codes, prescription records, and this study strongly suggests that there is an increased risk of depression associated with all types of hormonal contraception. So the authors took advantage of Denmark's nationalized information collective system. So um, Denmark has a national healthcare system, so they've got records for everyone, which is really great for going back and doing studies like this. Um, they've got stuff going back to the 1970s. What the study found was there were surprising connections between hormonal birth control and depression. The study looked at women ages 15 to 34 between the year 2000 and 2013. It excluded those with pre-existing psychiatric conditions and also excluded those who could not be prescribed hormones due to medical issues. They also excluded women during pregnancy and for six months after pregnancy, and they excluded recent immigrants as well. The researchers analyzed hormonal contraceptive use and subsequent depression in two different ways. They evaluated women who had received a diagnosis of depression, as well as women who had received a prescription for antidepressants. And these analyses were run separately and obtained statistically equivalent results. All forms of hormonal contraception were associated with an increased risk of developing depression, 
with higher risks associated in the progesterone-only forms, including the IUD. This risk was higher in teens ages 15 to 19, and especially for the non-oral forms of birth control, such as the ring, the patch, and the IUD. The IUD was particularly associated with depression in all age groups, and that is especially significant because traditionally, physicians have been taught that the IUD acts only locally and has no effects on the rest of the body. Clearly, this is not accurate. So I think when the IUD first came out quite a few years ago, doctors were really instructed, oh, it only works on the uterus and or, you know, in that vaginal canal cervix area. And you don't have to worry about it affecting the rest of the body. But the truth is that if you are using a hormonal IUD, those hormones that are being released are obviously going to affect the rest of your body. Now, with knowing this information, the question then is, should we stop prescribing hormonal birth control? And the answer really right now is no, um, in general, generally speaking, especially young women who really require birth control to prevent early pregnancies. Um, you know, it's, it's really important to make sure that we're supporting these women as well. So it's a question that you need to answer for yourself and your own body and to consider if you have um, young girls as well. Now, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, I was a teenage mom. I had my son when I was 19. Um, it definitely affected my education, my economic status for quite a while, uh, you know, things like that. So there is definitely a lot of other negatives and other things that caused depression in my life that weren't birth control related. But it is something to consider if you are a young adult, if you have had children, have not had children, but you can start making these decisions for your own body, it is something to consider. If you notice that you're having a hard time controlling your depression, are you on a hormonal birth control? And at the age and stage in life where you're at right now, is it reasonable to stop your hormonal birth control and go to a more natural type of system tracking? There are so many apps out there um, that can help you track your entire cycle. I use one myself. It helps tell me when I'm ovulating, when I'm not, when my period is expected, all of these things, um, and can really help you be your own birth control. Um, now, having said that, obviously it depends on the age and stage in life that you're at. So I am at a stage in my life where I can control these factors. I am married. Um, you know, I am comfortable in the sexual relationship that I have, not everybody is fortunate enough to be there. So understanding that this episode was absolutely not intended to tell you, oh, just go stop your birth control or don't put your daughters on birth control, but it's to inform you of what birth control actually is and um, does to your body on a surface layer. I'm hoping to get into this a little deeper with the naturopath that I will be talking to later this week. But um, I think it's important to get this message out there because I know for myself, before I started learning about this stuff, I really didn't know either. I had been on the pill in the past. I had had an IUD in the past. Um, I thought I was getting my period. I was not getting my period. You don't get your period on, on a hormonal birth control, plain and simple. 
One other thing we sort of touched on throughout this episode was bone health and osteoporosis and how that can be affected when estrogen levels are affected, especially at a young age. So menstrual cycles that begin around age 12 or 13 and are regular, about a month apart, provide estrogen that women need to maintain bone health. And this is like long-term bone health. And we also know that exercise and strong muscles are important for bone health as well. We also know that calcium is necessary to build and maintain strong bones. And vitamin D obviously is needed too. Now, Scientists have shown that progesterone and normal ovulation during our menstruating years are necessary to prevent bone loss. So this is something to consider as well, is if we're playing with our estrogen levels at a very young age, are we setting ourselves up for failure as we get older um, and maybe experience some bone loss, osteoporosis, things like that. Now, studies are being done on this right now. It's not necessarily um, a confirmed thing, at least from what I can find. But just understanding that our bone health is super important and that estrogen really affects the ability of our body to absorb calcium. So understanding that, you know, this is a conversation we should be asking our doctors when they say, yes, let's put you on birth control asking those questions. Does this birth control affect my estrogen levels? If so, how? Um, Should I be taking a calcium supplement? Is there something I should know about my bone health when taking this? So these are all just factors to consider. Um, So my intention for this episode was to tell you all about the hormones that we actually use and release and need during our menstrual cycle, what your menstrual cycle actually and what birth control actually is and does as well, so that none of us are walking around with this false sense of, I'm getting my period when I'm on birth control. Um, And just understanding that doing some more research on this, tracking your periods if you are um, taking care of your body naturally, and also understanding that stress control, eating a healthy diet, and regular exercise will definitely help you control your periods um, and help your cycle. If you're someone that has an irregular cycle, probably the first thing that you're going to be suggested to do is adjust your diet. Um, So just understanding that as a woman, it's important for us to take care of our whole body, including our hormonal system. And we can do that and be in control of that with just a few things to start. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a lot from it. I would love to get questions from you. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at trainer under slash Cassie, or you can email me trainercassieh at gmail.com. I'm also still looking for birth stories. So if you have a birth story that you want to share, the story about one of your kiddos being born, um, that is an episode I'm looking forward to do sometime in the near future once I collect enough stories. So please reach out to me on Instagram or send me an email and share your birth story with me because I want to share it with others. If you don't mind, maybe rating or reviewing this episode would be great. The more often you rate, review, share this episode with others, uh, the higher up on the suggested list it goes and the more people I can get my message out to you. So I truly appreciate you listening, subscribing, 
and helping me get this podcast out to the world. You guys have a wonderful week. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you've learned something today about your body. And I know you're thinking of someone right now that would love to listen to this too. So go ahead and send it to them. Until next time, make sure to drink plenty of water, move your body and smile often.